0: Come enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunneen Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunneen Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunneen Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunneanbrewery.com.
2: The history of the Indy 500 did not start with the first race. It began two years earlier, in 1909, with the construction of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in Speedway, Indiana, as a testing space for the local auto industry. Amid an increase in interest in auto racing, founder Carl Fisher suspected people would pay to watch these cars being tested against each other, and the idea of the Indy 500 was born. Races on this tar and gravel track began attracting huge crowds. However, after fatal accidents on the speedway, it was deemed too dangerous and was paved with brick. That's why the track was nicknamed the Brickyard. Finally, on May 30th, 1911, the first Indianapolis 500 was run with 80,000 spectators in attendance. It has been held almost every year since on Memorial Day weekend. The winner of the first Indy 500 was American Ray Haroon, and he was awarded a purse of $25,000. He and his Marmon Wasp finished with a time of roughly 6 hours and 42 minutes, and ran an average speed of 74.6 miles per hour. His Wasp was fitted with the first rearview mirror in any motor vehicle. By October 1961, the entire track had been paved over with asphalt. As a tribute to the brickyard nickname, three foot wide strips of the original brick were left at both the start and the finish lines. A tradition was then started by NASCAR champ Dale Jarrett. Visitors and drivers now kiss the bricks to pay homage to the history of the speedway. In fact, this is one sporting event that's big on tradition. Since 1936, successful drivers are awarded the coveted Borg Warner Trophy in the winner's circle. Another custom that has been carried on since 1956 is for the winners of the Indy 500 to drink milk in Victory Lane. And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! (laughs) No doubt about it, I gotta get another hat.
3: Now here's something we hope you'll really like. I'm Ken Lingenfelder from Lingenfelder Performance Engineering, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio in Cars.
1: Welcome, you are tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our 499 shows, go to our archive page, Nostalgic Radio Cars, and you can tune into all of them. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nostalgia Racing Card. We've got a uh, spectacular weekend coming up. We have the Firestone St. Petersburg Grand Prix coming up. We just came off a fantastic weekend in Amelia Island with some uh, amazing stories, amazing experiences. And we have a very, very special guest with us this evening legendary race car driver. And uh, making his uh, second appearance here on the Stels Recording Cars. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty good. Tommy, how are you doing over there in the control room? Just keeping my hands clean. Just keeping yes. your hands clean. <laughs> I, you know what, your million, million dollar idea probably would have worked. You know, if Ooh. we'd had face masks or gloves or hand sanitizer, probably would have been the best Were thing. Were there other folks walking around with masks? Not one person. You know, a car guy's. Don't fall for that stuff. We are not scared by some little virus. Besides, we're around gasoline and oil. Some little virus. A little virus. <laughs> A little yes. Yeah. You know, see, we got gasoline and oil all over us all the time, so we're like pretty much immune. That's our. Uh, that's our. Uh, what's the word? Our uh, uh, inoculation. Antivirus. Our antivirus. But, yes. 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 But. But. Okay.
0: We should have taken your idea for the Saint Pete Grand Prix, For oh. the Firestone Grand Prix of Saint Petersburg, because then we could have handed them out there, and then uh, you know.
1: It, the virus is closer to St. Pete, so I would more people would would went for it. Well, that's true. <laughs> Not to mention, uh, it's in our own backyard. Right. We'll acquired more listeners. Yes. So yeah.
0: Who would say? Yes, you have to tu- no tune in to win. <laughs> tune in <laughs> to win. Know, oh, no, there no. you go.
1: Tune in to win. Well, win
0: it because it's so expensive right now. You know, Master 38 bucks or whatever on Amazon or something like that because they're driving up the price. Hand sanitizer, you can't find in the stores, so we could have just bought one bottle of hand sanitizer uh, and got everybody to call yeah, in and fight for yeah, it. Yeah,
1: yeah, that would have worked. That's the ticket. Where did the coronavirus originate that you could tell us? Who'd thunk? Who'd thunk? Okay, it's time for the FLA Car Shows Minute. Bobby, you have the honors. All righty. You have the floor, young man. All right, sounds like a plan. Uh, well, as you heard, we have the... Uh,
0: firestone grand prix of st petersburg this weekend uh check that out uh gp st pete is their twitter handle um but flacarshows.com that's flacarshows.com is your one stop for everything automotive festivals cars and coffees especially the really nice one we went to last weekend um a million million yes Uh, cars and coffee at the concourse and um but uh yes Car shows, uh, festivals, stuff with music, too. Music and cars. All those different types of shows you can find at FLACarshows.com. You can find them on the West Coast. You can find them on the East Coast. You can find them on Southeast Coast. You can find them on our Panhandle. (laughs) You can find them right in the center in Central Florida. You can find them anywhere in Florida that you can drive to. You can find a car show for on FLACarshows.com.
1: Okay, having said that, now what's going on also this weekend is the Gator Nationals. So for all you drag racers, uh, today, tomorrow, the next day, actually not today, but they're up there setting up. So we've got the Gator Nationals this weekend. Next weekend, we've got the 12-hour Sebring. Then there's a break for a while, and then there's more car shows and great events coming up. The Gasparilla Concourse will be coming up in, is it March or April? I think April. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, Bear jackson our good friends, uh, Bear jackson got their auction coming up down in South Florida. Just a lot of stuff going on. And uh, a lot of stuff will be on... Uh, FLACarshows.com. But yes. if you tune into Nostalgic Nostalgia Radio Cars every Tuesday night here on the Tantalk Radio Network between 7 and 8 p.m., you will find out where the stuff is, the cool car stuff. And if you follow us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you will also be able to find out what's going on. Right, Bobby? Yes. That is the place. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this uh, past weekend here at the Amelia Island Concours d'Elegance.
0: Although, where, first, where should they get some barbecue? Oh, huh, yeah, yes. yeah,
1: yeah. I think Go you ahead. need
0: to stop by the Rib Shack Barbecue. Uh, downtown Largo. 426 oh. yep.
1: West Bay Drive. Now, that's a number that all car guys should be very familiar with. 426, 427, one 428, <laughs> and Boss 429. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. You can drive all of those there. <laughs> you can drive all of those there, yes. They never made a 425 of anything on there. Oh, and I take that back. A Buick had a, four and a quarter, So, he had a 425 Buick. <coughs> Chrysler 426, both hammy and wedge. 427 Fords and Chevrolets. 428 Fords and 429s. Wow. Order on Uber Eats.
0: While you're doing a radio show, you can do that. And you can order and Bite Squad. Day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, if you want to sit here, and you can order right now while you're listening to the show. You can get yourself some barbecue delivered right to your door. You don't even have to change, turn the radio off.
1: That's right. Don't touch that dial. We'll don't be. touch it. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, so uh, the Amelia Island Concourse started off on Thursday with uh, Bonham's Classic Car Auction. And on Friday, we had Gooding's Auction, and on Friday evening, we had r Auction. And they were also there on Saturday afternoon as well. Now, mm-hmm. the thing that we enjoyed, or I enjoyed at least very much, is the – Penske was the honoree at uh, Amelia Island this weekend, and they had two seminars with Roger Penske, and the gentleman's amazing. I mean, you hear us use the term every once in a while, Penske Perfect. I will tell you that having talked to gentlemen like uh, Carol Shelby, um, Roger Penske, Jim uh, Jim Hall of Chaparral fame, Bobby Ray Hall, uh, people like that, Pete Brock of BRE Racing Enterprises. The one thing that all these guys will tell you, the one takeaway is, is you surround yourself with the best people, the best team, and you will succeed. You will succeed. You have to surround yourself. I have my son Bobby here, and I have Tommy on on deck over there. And, of course, I have my wife take care of all my editing and administration stuff. I've got a good team. I should be more successful, but,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but anyway. Having said that, uh, so Pensky had to, uh, the seminar on Saturday, or Friday afternoon. Amazing, uh, the cars there that were on display. Um, that RM had, that Gooding had, that Bottomham. So amazing stuff, and, you know. It, and it, and the price of admission is really cool because if you're a car fanatic, if you're kind of a historian, like I am a little bit, you can appreciate a lot of these classic and antique cars. Where is the market going? I will tell you, in all honesty, that the market is basically, I'm going to say, leveled off for the most part, and it's stable. So that's a good thing. So nothing's bringing stupid money, other than very rare, exceptional cars. Um, Racing cars, Ferraris, um, even some Fords you know, that are racing cars, and some some of these cars are unique. So it's all over the board. So for those of you listening that tune in here every week, if you're a little concerned about the values of the cars, don't worry about that. Drive the car because you like the car and because it puts a smile on your face. Don't worry about the value. I mean, if you are, you kind of have to watch it a little bit. And you have to chart it. But for the most part, a good car will do well and maintain its value you know um, me personally I like you know beaters and and drivers that's me I like those survivors original cars and they're 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 holding steady too so that's a good thing um, Saturday Bobby and I went to the cars and coffee at Amelia Island presented by our really good friends over there at Haycock insurance and Bobby had the honor of driving the Porsche 944 turbo the 951 onto the show field which is basically the concourse show field driving it on the field and off the field and, and we parked in, the, basically, the Porsche Corral. And that was a spectacular event. And it was a really cool experience. You know, the Cars and Coffee up there is really casual, really laid back. And the variety cars, I think there was something like 400 cars. Mm-hmm. Um, the Alpha Club had a real strong presence. The Datsun Club. In fact, one of the things we thought was kind of interesting is a guy drove in. His name's Russell. So a big shout-out to Russell if he's listening. And uh, he drove in, and what caught my attention was the 1971-72 Datsun pickup truck that he had. And it said on the side of it, Clearwater Datsun. Well I went to school with Steve Lyons. His parents were co-owners in Clowater Dodson. and uh, naturally when I saw that I had to run over there and then of course he also rolled up in a 510 race car that was basically an SCCA prepared car. So that was pretty cool. And uh, a lot of t- the, the Toyota uh, the Datsun Club had a pretty good strong had a pretty strong vas- presence, okay They had a lot of 240 Zs, uh, a couple of fair ladies, which is a f- 1600 and 2,000 sports cars, the open cars. Um, to five tens, obviously. Pete Brock was there. He was wandering through the field, you know. Pete Brock, which is a legendary race car driver, and uh, uh, with Carroll Shelby. But he also went on to uh, forge a amazing um, racing career with his own company, B R E Brock Racing Enterprises, which is well, which was late '60s, so '68, '69, '70, '71, and he won the Trans Championship with uh, John Morton in 1971, '72 against alfa romeo bmw and mustangs and stuff like that that were in this class camaros firebirds and uh which was really cool because they actually caught alfa romeo cheating no way somebody actually cheats in racing can't believe that that's not even possible (laughs) but hey a wise old friend told me one time cheat, cheat, hard to beat. So, but Penske and guys like Smokey Unic, and not to mention Jim Hall and people like that, were notorious for, and Peep Rock as well, reading the rules and finding loopholes in the rules. One of the things that Penske had, which was on display there, was their 20 foot fuel um, rig that they had, basically, because there was nothing in the rule book that said that you couldn't, uh, you know, have a uh, an, an unusual fuel rig system and what it is is obviously we understand how gravity works but the fuel came down at such high velocity they could actually fuel the car the Camaro Trans Am car a 69 Trans Am car in a matter of seconds so that got them in and out of the pits and you know racing is all about timing you know time in out you know I mean obviously it's a game of attraction particularly red racing endurance racing and uh, I can tell you from my own experience as a club racer that uh, yeah you know you've got to be on your game got to make sure that your car's fit and uh, But little tricks of the trade are what kind of give you the edge over your competition. So anyway, uh, then we went to the seminar, another Penske seminar. Then we went back on the show field. Then uh, what did we do? Uh, oh, yeah, we went to a little hanger party, which was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, did I
3: see you in, in a picture with John Oates?
1: Yes, uh, oh, that's right. I forgot about the Porsche Works for Union, which I Didn't realize Friday. how tall he was. Yeah, he was a very tall guy, John Oates. Uh, the uh, other half of the famous uh, singing duo, Hollow uh, Notes, he was there. Um, I got to meet Rusty Wallace, got a picture with Rusty Wallace. I got a chance saw to meet that. Rick. Yeah, saw Rick Mears, mm-hmm. uh, Roger Penske, obviously. There's a picture of that on there, Roger Penske. Uh, Bobby Ray Hall, we got to talk to Bobby. Mm-hmm. We got to talk to. Uh, Ken Lingenfelter, which obviously he was gracious enough to give us, a liner. And we got a really cool liner from Donald Osborne. And that we will save for a very special day. Maybe, yes. maybe when we get Jay Leno back on, yes. I think that would be probably the appropriate time to oh, play that Oh, that would be one. funny. Yeah, he'll yeah. get a kick out of that. <laughs> but anyway, but you know, the thing about Amelia Island is, and, and Sunday was the concourse, okay? Sunday was, the cars were absolutely incredible. We, Rex Myers was there. Rex was on a show a few months back, and he had one of two Man Ford GTs there um the cobra's there shelby's there ferrari's there maserati's there uh motorama cars autorama cars italian-bodied cars that uh that used that were on top of american chassis like either rambler or like um chrysler which was you know they had a really good relationship with ghia back in the day just amazing cars of uh, the 20s and 30s cars the teen cars it was a uh, quirky Corky uh, Coker was there, Mm -hmm. our good friend from Coker Tire. He had a... Dressed the part. Yeah, 1913-14 Lozier, Jim Grundy with Dr. Jim Grundy from Grundy Insurance. Everybody that you want... The who's who in the world, in the automotive world, will be at these major events. The two major events where most of these people are accessible is SEMA and Amelia Island Concourse. And again, my hat goes off to Bill Warner, who does a spectacular job. This was the 25th anniversary of the Amelia Island Concourse. And uh, the Sunoco Penske car won. And the thing about what Bill does is really cool. He doesn't give the, uh, the award to a pre-war car. He gives the award two awards out for best in show for a pre-war car and a post-war car. Yeah. So a Duesenberg won the pre-war class, a Duesenberg sedan, Phaeton. Well, not really a Phaeton, but it was a sedan. And, uh, and a Sunoco Penske 91730. And, in fact, one of the cars that literally impressed me that was there was the 1970 Le Mans winning Porsche 917K. K for Kurt Heck. They made a long L for Lung Heck and a K for Kurt Heck. and that was the number 23 car that was campaigned by Porsche of Austria, which won the 1970 Le Mans. So that was and that was the original car, not a copy. And, uh, you know, the the Porsche factory, uh, museums from all over the country, they bring cars there. It's the place to go where you're going to see cars that you only read about in magazines, Amelia Island. And it's an educational thing because now we're trying to get younger children, not children, people involved, Bobby's age, Bobby's generation, involved in cars. And there were quite a few kids there. Haggerty does a great uh, uh, PR program Program. with uh, getting younger kids involved in driving cars, you know, manual shift cars. And uh, so, you know, my hat goes off to all these guys. It's a collective effort, and uh, if you really want to attend a spectacular event, nothing beats a million out of them. Now, on that note, I think what we're going to do, is we're going to fire up the stereo, and then we're going to get ready for our next guest. In the meantime, I just want to let you guys know you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Wash yeah, your this, hands. Wash your hands, yeah. Hey, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Here's a little America for you. Nothing more than
0: the need to be your The wind blowing through my hair Make believe I don't ever care Why does the book of freedom take so long? We could be driving off into the future
3: Driving
0: i him. Enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com.
1: Back and you tune into nostalgic Radio in cars, and uh, that's actually a pretty good song there, America. It's called Driving, yes, right, Bob? Driving, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a really good song. I uh, wish we played more of that, but uh, we'll do that on another occasion. Well, no, we don't
0: want to lose our Facebooks.
1: So. <laughs> no, that's right. But at any rate, okay, so this weekend we have the, Saint Pete, the Firestone St. Petersburg Grand Prix. Yes. And uh, it's a pretty interesting race, but also along with those the St. Pete Grand Prix, the IndyCar race, which is on Sunday. Testing and tuning starts, I think, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And there's a couple support races, some GT races and stuff. So the thing is, is it's right here in our own backyard in St. Petersburg. And I believe the first race was 1985. And I should know that because, A, I believe I have the poster, and B, I was at that actual event. And uh, so it's, uh, it's changed the, the course has from the very first time that they had it, but the course does very well. And I'm thrilled and really we should feel very fortunate that we have a, a first-class, world-class race right here in our own backyard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, my, my hand goes out to the people, the promotional people, the PR people, um, and I think the Ohio uh, sports car uh, organization has some influence because I can't remember the name of the organization exactly, but uh, they're involved with uh, that this particular race, and they have some sister races up there. The the PR firm that um, that runs at Ohio Mid Ohio uh, Motorsports Park. But at any rate, uh, we have a very special guest for you this evening, I think what we're going to do right now is segue into that. Um, Tommy, why don't you go ahead and fire up some really cool music for us again? I think we have a little Doors. So Sorry, visit
0: NostalgicRadioAndCars.com dot com during the break yes. while you're listening to the song.
1: That's exactly right. Hey, don't touch the dial. we'll be right back. You're we'll tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars Show Let's number five hundred through
0: the tide. In that car. city sleeps too high. Let's swim out.
3: In time when you either go forward or you fall back, and uh, that was for me my time to go forward. This is incredible for a 500 mile race. They're all on the same lead lap, they're all within just a few car lengths of each other. Rick Mears, there goes Ray Hall and Kevin Kogan. They're just that close with just a few laps remaining. There goes Ray Hall, he's gonna get by on the inside. Bobby Ray Hall has gone by Rick Mears. Hogan do it. He just has 10 laps to the finish of the Indianapolis 500. It looks like Ari Leyendyke in the fourth turn as the yellow flag comes out at 194 laps. Will the race end under yellow, and if it doesn't, will these three drivers battling for the lead have enough fuel to go
1: the distance? Kevin, this is Sam Posey. Your thoughts now with just three laps to go. I'm kind of busy right now, Sam. I'll talk to you afterwards. Fair enough, and good luck to you.
3: Whether that had anything to do with breaking his concentration, I really don't know. But um, they come down for the green flag with two laps to go. The Indianapolis 500 is now the Indianapolis 5 between Kevin Hogan and Bobby Ray Hall and Rick Bick. And Kevin didn't get the start he might have hoped for. And Rahal's going by him. Bobby yeah. Rahal in car number three has to leave once again. And I'm going down the back straight. Uh, I'm just like it's like I'm riding a horse and I'm just screaming at this thing you know don't give up don't give it up you know just keep going keep going keep going and Bobby Rahal has won his first Indianapolis 500. Hi everybody this is David Hobbs racing driver and speed commentator and you're listening to Nostalgia Radio and Cars.
1: Okay, we're back, and you're tuning into nostalgic cars. And it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. I'm delighted to welcome back this gentleman. He was on our show many, many years ago—ten years ago, in fact. Uh, he's a legendary GT driver, race car driver, Indy Championship winner. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Bobby Rahal. Bobby, how are you this evening?
3: Um, uh, I'm doing great, thank you. And I could listen to that uh, that broadcast time and time again. I wouldn't—I don't think I'd ever get tired of that. <laughs>
1: Tell us what was going through your mind. I know we played the the, the little clip there, but what was it like in real life for you?
3: Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, for, for, um, it was, um, uh, you know, we'd been, we'd led a lot of the laps, I think I led 60 laps or something like that. Um, So we'd been competitive all day long and, and, you know, we were um, tight on fuel as was Rick and, um, so towards the end of the race we were having to play it a little conservatively and I got kinda of caught up behind Randy Lanier, um uh and he kind of uh balked me and that I lost some momentum and and uh, and Kevin was able to get by. Uh not just me but also Randy, which gave him a bit of a gap. I was able to sort of start catching back up to um to, to Kevin. And then of course the yellow came out. Um and you know, so you know as I, as I tell our drivers today, the easiest time to pass somebody is on a restart and, uh, but you got to really be on your toes and, uh, you really have to be able not so much anticipate because people have always said, Oh, you, you, you know, you kind of jumped the flag, but if you look at the video, I, I didn't, it's just that his car was not handling as well as mine. I was able to take a tighter line coming through turn three and four, especially four. And, uh, whatever gap he had pretty much disappeared and i had momentum so you know when you get as i passed him you know there's two laps to go so you know now or never and uh you know it's uh uh i set the fastest lap of the race on the last lap of the race so the car was was really a good car and and we you know as i said all through the race we were kind of just biding our time and when we needed to go fast uh, we could so it was a thrill thrill for all of us to win the race for, uh, our team owner, Jim Truman, who, who died of cancer 11 days after the race. Um, you know, bittersweet for those of us, um, maybe, uh, after his, uh, you know, after he passed away, but still, uh, something that, uh, all of us, uh, uh think fondly back to, to that day. And, and of course, that was the race that then, uh, really kicked off, uh, our championship in, in 86. So, uh, we would win five more races that year, so one six in total out of I think maybe fifteen races, something like that. So almost fifty percent of the races we won. So it was a, it was a big day uh, on, on a number of fronts.
1: Excellent. Let me ask you this: Now you're a successful IndyCar driver and obviously GT racer as well. Do you have a preference? And and the reason I ask that is because I've had since you've been on my show in ten years, I've had a number of race car drivers. You know, the Dan Gurneys, the Mario Andretti's, the Roger Panskys, the mm-hmm. uh, all these people, and everybody aspired to open wheel racing uh, and Formula One, which I believe you had a brief stint in Formula One as well as one, two, and three. I mean, Formula Three, Formula Two, and something. Right. For-
3: well that, yeah, that was my goal. Um, you know, I grew up. My father raced to places like Sebring and uh, uh, in the Midwest in sports cars. But you know, my hero was Jimmy Clark. You know, mm-hmm. the Scottish driver, Formula One champion, won the five hundred and sixty-five. Um, I think arguably the greatest driver in, in uh, the history of the sport. But uh, in any event, uh, you know, so my my goal was always to try to get to Formula One, and and we did, but not not for as long as I would like. But all my, all my racing early on pretty much was all in open-wheel cars because open-wheel cars, to me, and I maybe I would think to others, uh, are the ultimate. You know, they're the, they're the, the purest. Um, you know, they don't have two seats because of regulations. They don't have the lights. They don't have this. They don't have that. I mean, it's really just all about speed. And uh, um, so open-wheel cars were definitely the way I wanted to go when I was first starting my career. Uh, and then, of course, that was the way to get to where I, I wanted to go and try to get to Formula One. then, you know, in, in the late 70s, I started doing more and more road courses in the IndyCar championships. All of a sudden, um, you know, that perked my, you know, piqued my interest. guess uh, to be frank, I, I wasn't that interested in just driving around on, in ovals. You, you know, many of us who have never done it think there, well, there, you know, there's nothing to turning left four times uh but i can assure you that you quickly find out there's a lot to it a lot of nuances and, and what have you so um that's why I, we ended up uh going you know the indycar route with uh, jim truman so yeah open wheel for me was uh always the ultimate but that's not to say that uh you know i did drive gt cars quite a bit you know one daytona 24 hour one the sebring 12 hour number of other races uh, all in porsches uh You know, so I I did a lot of other races that I didn't win, you know, seconds, thirds, whatever. So I, growing up in sports car racing, I was always, I was always, um, I always admired guys that could win in just about everything. And, um, so when I, you know, when I started to, uh, uh, have success uh, uh, in IndyCar racing in, say, 82, 83, I was able to, um, parlay that into opportunities with some really good, I drove for Ford uh in our sports car team i drove for obviously for a number of independent porsche teams and uh and to me driving those races like sebring and daytona were really uh special you know i went i drove lamar a couple times and that to me uh, just did nothing more than enhance my abilities when i got in a, in a formula car and vice versa so you know um which one do i like better well obviously winning the five hundred and you know, does things uh, for you, for your career, for you personally, that probably no other race that I know of does. But that doesn't take away the, um, you know, the, the the satisfaction I got from winning at places like Daytona and Sebring.
1: I believe when you were on the show originally back in 2010, we talked a little bit, and your father, your dad, Mike, um, mm-hmm. was a very successful SCCA racer. And if I remember correctly, I think you said he drove either, what was it, a 906 or a 910?
3: He had a nine of six. Uh, okay. uh, that was a, otherwise known as a Carrera Six. Porsche. Um, when I you know, when I first started when I when he first started racing when I was, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, he, he drove uh, uh, Alfa Romeos and, and things like that. Then he started getting into sports racing cars. Um in probably sixty four there were five, somewhere around there, so I was twelve. And um, and those were the kind of course they were much faster cars. Um, You know, things like the Porsche Carrera 6, which we had from 68 to 71. Um, So, yeah, I I grew up around. I spent every night after high school or even junior high, I I was in the garage doing something with the cars. You know, Uh, I was just, uh, you know, I just loved racing uh, and and to have the race car there. uh, Of course, you know, we were the magnet for everybody in town who had any interest in racing. So it was just an unbelievable environment for me growing up, and uh, and uh, as I said, maybe at the time when we last met, you know, I had no great plan to do this, but it just kind of all happened, and I'm I'm thankful that it did.
1: Outside of racing, um, obviously some of the most premier racetracks: Daytona, Sebring, Le Mans, um, and Indy, of course. Just looking at a track you to drive that you enjoy not from the from the you know provenance aspect of it do you have a track mm-hmm. around here that you like driving a lot yourself did you would consider mm-hmm. like your home track
3: oh uh well um i think uh road america uh el Car lake wisconsin is the greatest road racing circuit in this country um i think I'm one of the best in the world i don't know of anybody who doesn't love racing at road america uh indy cars are fantastic cars that you know it had three straightaways you were over 200 miles an hour uh i need straight i mean it's back in the 90s um uh very fast corners slow corners you name it it had a bit of everything um, and of course i uh, my father raced there starting in the late 50s all the way through the 60s and early 70s and so as a kid i just kind of grew up there and uh, but as i said i i think if you were to if you were to talk to many people who, who race, um, uh, at least in indie type cars, sports cars, things of that nature, I think they would tell you that Road America is, is, is the best track that we have in this country today.
1: You know, and, and you mentioned that because Alcart Lake, I've been up there a few times, it's a four-plus-mile four, four track. Does a longer right. track that's technical, and it's kind of quasi-technical, but uh, does a longer track appeal to race car drivers more so than a, than a shorter track?
3: Oh, that's a good. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, there's some, You know, I, I like. I like tracks that um, where the, the car can really stretch its legs. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, where you really can. Uh, and that's what's so good about Road America is it's got. As I said earlier, fast corners, slow corners, medium speed corners. You name it. Um, but there are there are tracks that are you know that are uh, very um, difficult to drive. Very satisfying when you do well. Uh, Mid Ohio is one of those I think Watkins Glen on the road racing circuits, but Long Beach Grand Prix, you know, of course, you know, and then on the ovals, which I really enjoyed the short short ovals, uh, tracks like uh, Milwaukee, uh, Nazareth, uh, Phoenix International at the time, um, and and so uh, you know, um, uh, while the while the high speed ovals were, you know, really put a demand on on the car and, and the setup and what have you, the the, low, the, the shorter ovals tended to. Bring the driver back into the equation a bit more, and um, they were—they were by no means slow, but uh, but really little bull rings, and those were fun to drive because they had multiple lanes, and you know you could really race hard uh, on those t- type of tracks. But if you you know if you were, as I said if you're asked if you're going to ask me which one was. My favorite, I would say, uh, hands down, Road America.
1: Okay, now I'm a California kid, so I have two favorite tracks: one, Sears Point, uh, old school mm-hmm. Sears Point, and the other one, obviously, is Laguna Seca. Now mm-hmm. I understand that Laguna Seca, coming up to the famous, notorious Corkscrew, there's a straightaway <laughs> there named after you.
3: Yeah, well, i I'm, I've been very fortunate at, at Laguna Seca, and don't get the first time I went to Laguna was in 1976 for a Formula Atlantic race. Uh, of course I had read about Laguna Seca, um, read about Riverside, California, you know, down in, in Southern California. I mean, those were two of the real crown jewels of, of racetracks uh, in North America. And, and, uh, and it was fortunate to race Riverside a number of times, you know, won a car race there, uh, had some other good finishes there, but, uh, but Laguna Seca, there was just something about that track. And, and, um, when it was the original layout, they changed it a bit in 1988. I think was when they changed the the layout of the circuit a bit. Um, but from from 84, five, six, and seven, we won all four of those IndyCar races you know, in in, uh, in a row. And I had, and I had won my first what I would call big race win in the states in 1979 there in the Can-Am series. So um, uh, so Laguna has always. Uh, We've just had tremendous success there, and not just as a driver, as a team owner. uh, I think we won four more IndyCar races. Brian Herta won two races for us. Uh, Max Pappas won a race for us there in IndyCar. And then in IMSA, we've won a number of races with BMW there. So it's just, uh, I think we've won maybe 10 or 11 times there over my career. So it's just one of those tracks that, I don't know, everything seems to click. And um, and it's in a beautiful area, as you well know. I mean, who doesn't like... uh, you know, Carmel, California, Monterey, California. It doesn't. It doesn't get much prettier than that. And and on top of that, uh, at Lake Riverside, uh, like Sonoma, Sears Point. I call it Sears Point, uh, which dates me. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, a lot of great history was made at those tracks by a lot of great drivers. And, uh, so um, yeah, being successful at, uh, at Laguna was uh, very special.
1: Now, IndyCar's going back there this year. I was just talking to Barry Tupke the other day uh, up at Amelia Island, and mm-hmm, uh, so mm-hmm. that should be exciting. And you field an IndyCar team. So let's talk about that Correct. since we got the St. Pete Grand Prix coming up this weekend.
3: Yeah, well, actually, last year we went back to Laguna. It was the first year back and some time, and it was a great crowd and a fabulous race. So, But, uh, yeah, let's speak St. Pete. We're thrilled. I can't wait. Um, I hear we're going to have Chamber of Commerce weather. Um you know, rain's always always been a little bit of an issue at St. Pete's, but sounds like things might be okay this weekend. And uh, really, looking great track, really good track. I never drove it, but uh, obviously, in, in our family, we like it since Graham won his first Indy Car race there many years ago. Um, but it's a great circuit, great fans, um, great layout. Uh, you know, and I just think it's a place that people like Long Beach. You know, people. And within the series and people who spectate really just love going there. And uh, it's just a really a great place and very fortunate that the, that the people of St. Pete support it. And, and, of course, the city government, because it really is, I think, a great way to kick off uh, our season.
1: Now you, Graham is uh, your son, and he's mm-hmm. racing on your team, and he's got. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it? I can't pronounce the gentleman's name. I think it's Takuma Sato. is that his name? Uh,
3: Takuma t- Sato. Yeah. Takuma Sato. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm.
1: you, as a father, if you flash back to back in the day when you were racing with your dad, and then you were racing w- as a parent. Was your dad concerned about you and are you concerned about Ray Hall? I mean, you know, that's just something that kind of everybody kind of worries about a little bit. So, well, um, Yeah,
3: I mean, I'm sure my parents were concerned. I, I think some tracks they weren't too concerned about. There were some that, uh, like my mother, refused, would not go to Michigan International Speedway. She just thought it was too fast. And, and so she didn't like it. Um, but uh, but then she'd go to Indy, so go figure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, in places like Road America, or the road courses, uh, and and that's the way I feel today. You know, I don't uh, I don't worry about Graham. Uh, you know, he's pretty pretty heads up driver. Um, I think he's got a lot of talent, so he doesn't often get involved in, in you know incidents and uh, um, you know uh, you know it, it's it, but any parent, any, you know, that's your kid out there, right? That's your daughter or your son or or whatever. So you see him go by at two hundred and forty miles an hour and. If that doesn't uh, if that doesn't uh, cause you a little bit of concern, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I would question your uh, you know, your feelings for your kids, and even even you know even Eleanor Senior, who I always thought had ice water running through his veins, um, about four or five years ago, he said to me, came up and said, "How do you do it?" And I said, "I said, well, what do you mean? How do I do it?" And he said, "Well, how do you how can you sit there and watch your son out there?" And I said, "I said, well." I mean, you drove against your son, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, which I'm not doing, obviously. So, you know, and he said, oh, it just drove me nuts. And, you know, that, I, I never really I would not have thought of that, of, of Al, because like I said, I always thought he had ice water. But, um, yeah, I mean, it can be very nerve-wracking at times, but I have a lot of confidence that him. am There's nothing. We've won now uh, six uh, IndyCar races together, and uh, I'll tell you what, that uh, that makes it pretty special.
1: Now, you know, it's funny you brought that up because your son's married to Courtney Forrest, which is John mm-hmm. Forrest's daughter. Now, your son runs 240. She's running 300. Oh, I, wonder, yeah.
3: I wonder what three, John thinks. She's three, running 330. 330.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, in, in like three seconds, you know?
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I don't know how he does it, uh, or her mother. Uh, they've been in drag racing a long time and have seen a lot of things. And, you know, and I think in the end, um, they just, as I had, have with Graham. I'm sure they have a lot. Of, they had a lot of uh, faith and confidence in Courtney. You know, Courtney retired a year ago now. But you know, their other daughter Brittany is is, is driving, and they have you know they used to have uh, Ashley who was there before Courtney.
2: Mm-hmm. So
3: uh, the 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 Force family is uh is neck deep in racing, and you know, as I said, the the more you're involved in something like that, the the I guess the more comfortable you get if you can get if you can say that word. Um, and, of course, you know, she, drive, she drove for her father, and that they're clearly one of the best teams ever in the history of drag racing. So, uh, you know, it, that that offsets, you know, some of that concern, but every time I would see Courtney go down off the line at three, you know, it sounds like a bomb going off, and it's just unbelievable the force of nature that a top fuel or a funny car is, and yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad Graham's driving a uh, an Indy car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, now you're good friends with uh, Don Perdome and of course, I this am. weekend is the gator nationals so you right, know right. uh how do you guys work that and and both you families are very very family oriented which you know i gotta i always say this because in racing i don't know what it is but something about racing there's just a real strong family unit uh among race car families i guess uh kind of hard to explain but unless you're there car people but um so how do you guys share the time i mean you know she's out there racing and then she's out there racing at a track yeah. in the same state of all things too, like within a few hours of each other.
3: Well, I mean, it's um, you know, of course, as I said, Courtney's not driving anymore, right? So That's true. She'll be with Graham, but yeah, I mean, there there have been times when he's been, uh, you know, she was in Gainesville and he was Sebring or somewhere, depending on, of course, how the the schedule went. Um, I mean, that happened more often than, than maybe people think, uh, and it's. It's, uh, you know, it's hard on everybody when you're, when you're doing that. Um, uh, but again, um, you know, you got you kind of get used to it and, um, um, you know, it's just a shame because, uh, uh, yeah, as you said, I'm, I have a, a really good friendship with, uh, Don Perdome who's just an awesome guy and, you know, and over the years, uh, you know, you know, I got to know a number of other, uh, drag racers, Larry Dixon, Joe Amato, um. Of course, John, uh, Forrest, Kenny Bernstein—I mean, you name it—and you know, because racers tend to, you know, inevitably, either they come to your races or you go to theirs, so you get to know each other. Uh It's a a great fraternity, really, uh, to be a part of these guys, and of course, to be around guys like Snake, um, you know, John John Perdomo. I mean, talk about a guy uh, who really wrote the wrote history in uh, in drag racing in North America, you know, from the early 60s until, geez the 90s. I mean, it was really amazing. Um, you know, it's just a thrill to know those guys, and they're, and they're just great people.
1: When you were younger, when you were growing up, uh, did you ever do any street racing, or did you, did you ever get involved in drag racing at all? I mean, did you have an interest not, in that? R-
3: yeah, not so much. Well, not, let's put it this way, not, um, you know, we'd get in our cars and go down to the, to the A&W, you know, root beer stand, and, I mean it's the stuff right out of american graffiti you know you mm-hmm. cruise through the cruise through the through the uh to the hamburger joint stand and you you know there's guys there with you know other cars and you know it's man against man and you know you find a, a road to to uh you know do a little drag racing but um but not too much uh, you know by the time i was in you know that 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 was pretty prevalent i guess in the early and mid sixties and and what have you by the time late 60s came along which was my era it was maybe a little less so because the police were more. What <laughs> was yeah. going on uh but um yeah i mean you always uh, you know go on the country road right with, a, with your car and see how fast you can take the corners and you know it's all pretty stupid really but you're young and you know you think you're superman and you can get away with anything so um that that changes as you get older but uh um yeah it's a uh it's uh it was a thrill uh, growing up during the era that uh, I that I grew up in. What was your first car? Well, my first car was a Beetle, Volkswagen oh. Beetle. Yeah, okay. Now you don't drag race anybody in that thing. <laughs> No, not uh, really. You know, but uh, my dad had a Porsche, so when he wasn't home, I'd steal it and <laughs> go off and do stuff, and you know, and, um, and it was like anything in those days. There was a little bit of everything out there, so uh, the Porsche could generally hold its
1: own. Um, uh, so that was that was fun. Uh, but, um, but uh, yeah, my first car was a Volkswagen Beetle. Okay. Well, it's, uh, you know, predecessor to, to you know, air-cold, you know, Volkswagen yeah. Oh, yeah. Porsche. So Porsche. Kind of like
3: a Porsche. Yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> kind of like. Um, what makes the St. Pete Grand Prix special besides the fact that Grand won there and, you know, you guys keep coming back and you've got a very well-oiled team. You do very, very well. So what else is unique yeah. about St. Petersburg to you?
3: Well, just like I said, it's a great track, great city. I mean, the, months that the city has gone through over the last, you know, I've been going to St. Pete since probably early 2000. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just the city itself has just gotten better and better. Um, you know, uh, of course, the weather's great, you know, especially for the, us Northerners. Mm-hmm. That I can't wait to go. I guess it's going to be 80 or something like that. So I can't wait for that. <laughs> um, but, you know, beautiful setting. Uh, as I said the the course is great you know the, the, the people in the city just seem to be really helpful really kind
2: do
1: you like the so track I mean, layout and everything and oh, the with yeah. pit area and oh, the paddock yeah. area and all that
3: yeah I don't think you could I think the track is very good and I think uh, um, you know I think the spectators you know especially where the cars are being uh, garaged you know they have access to it um, so you can see it and there's some good viewing areas and of course there's a lot of action there so uh, it really is a, a very good, uh, a very good place for us to start our season.
1: Excellent. Now let me ask you this: We just came off Amelia Island, and uh, we got a minute or two left. Share some of your thoughts about Amelia Island this year.
3: Well, Amelia Island is just a fabulous event. Um, again, I've been going there since probably the late early nineties, um, and uh, maybe even late nineties. Uh, um, and uh, you know, Bill bill warner who, who started it and really is the, the uh he's the power behind it so the force behind it uh, uh does a great job every year of the people they honor uh, of course this year with roger penske being honored uh and then to the see many of the cars that he uh some of them he drove um and then most of them has, you know his drivers drove for started with uh, mark donahue and and um you know, on up to today. So, um, a great uh, talk about writing the history book. So, uh, but it's cars beyond that too. I mean, there's everything, you know, it's not just indie cars, it's sports cars, it's high-end street cars, it's old racing cars from the fifties, the forties, thirties. I mean, you name it, it's really, uh, uh, really kind of tells the story of the automobile and of the racing car in the last century. And, uh, so it's uh, uh, and it's always beautifully presented. So it's a place really that if, um, if if you like cars, that's a that's a great place to go to. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, we we look forward to going to that that event every year.
1: Did you have any cars on the show field this year, or have you had cars in the past on the show field? I've
3: had cars. Yeah, I've had cars on the show field. I was uh, pleased to be honored. Uh, I guess it was probably around 2011. I think somewhere oh, yeah. around there. Um, uh, but yeah, and then, you know, people, some of my cars, you know, my Indy 500 winning car came out and some of my sports cars, Porsches that I drove. I mean, it's, uh, you know, when you're in, I was in racing 25 years, so you tend to you end up driving a lot of different things. And so it was fun to see them, uh, all together, uh, uh, there on the, on the, on the, grounds and we had fun with that. And, and yeah, this year it was Penske. Uh, yeah, and I personally, as you, as you asked, I personally have had cars that we've shown there, and um, and uh, you know had some good showings. So it's, uh, but I I go down there more for the the cars and the the people. A lot of friends go there from racing, uh, so it's just a great weekend in in North Florida. It's
1: like a big family reunion, isn't it?
3: its it is. It, is. it is, very much is.
1: Well, Bobby, we're up against the clock. I want to thank you very much for taking some time out and hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd love to have you back again sometime. I'd like to talk about your collection of cars and some of the other stuff you're working on.
3: That sounds good. Anytime.
1: Well, Bobby, you have a great uh, weekend. look forward to seeing you here this weekend at St. Petersburg Grand Prix at the Firestone uh, Grand Prix Race. In the meantime, again, thank you very much for coming on our show this evening.
3: Thank you. Look forward to seeing
1: you. Okay. Bye-bye. Guys, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports, don't forget you can check out our website, also motorsports.com. Bobby, go ahead.
0: NostalgicRadioandCars.com as well. See my little project uh, that I've just finished. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Follow us. Share the videos. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, yeah. Rib Shack. Wash your hands. Rib Shack Barbecue. Yes.
0: 501 9090
1: There you go. Rib Shack Barbecue. In fact, I think uh, after the show, we're going to head on over there and grab ourselves something to eat. In the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners again for tuning in. Don't forget to tell your friends. So I want to see you guys at some of the races. So stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.